If you haven't researched index funds, I suggest you start there before investing in individual companies. But should you be brave enough and willing to do the work, you can invest in individual companies. Long term, they can potentially provide significantly higher reward. But remember, with higher reward comes greater risk. Now, before I get on with this episode, a reminder that I have a Patreon page where you can read articles, you can download spreadsheets, you can get internet resources, there's tutorial videos in there, and you can even chat with me if you have ideas or any questions you want me to answer. It's free to join, so sign up today. The link is patreon.com forward slash jellyman underscore investing. It's completely free, so sign up. Also, a disclaimer that I'm not a financial advisor. Please consult with a professional before making any financial decisions on with the episode. What do you look for in a potential partner and how do you go about assessing those things? So do you give her a questionnaire on the first date? Maybe you get her to, you know, before you sit down, it's like, listen, can you take this quick survey for me? It's only 50 questions. Maybe you get her to do a personality quiz. Um, Maybe we can interview her family members. Yeah, don't do any of those things. (laughs) Don't do any of those things. That's exactly why I'm doing a finance channel and not a not a channel on finding love, right? Uh, I'm terrible at that stuff. But when it comes to finance and investing, I know a few things. So when selecting individual companies, we have to understand a few key concepts. The experience you probably have is a friend of yours who knew someone, who talked to someone, said, hey, I heard about this new company. Um, I hear they're doing this. Did you know that the value grew? Um, do you want to jump in and invest? And uh, you know what? A lot of people were just like, I trust my friend. I'm going to do it. You know what's really crazy about this? People spend more time planning their holiday than choosing or researching these individual companies to invest in. Like they feel like they're going to miss out on the next Amazon. Or, you know, it, it doesn't really work like that. When you study this and you start developing an education, it's nothing like you think it's there is a systematic approach to how you go about selecting individual companies because the key is not to be super successful for one year investing is a long game it is decades in the making so the goal isn't to you know hit a home run on the first day and then be absolutely crap for the remaining seasons no we want to be slow steady you can actually choose not to invest for three years while you get up to speed why you develop that knowledge because it's much better to build the knowledge um, and miss out on a few opportunities than to get too excited, invest and lose a lot of money because what people tend to do is they get desperate and what do they do? They invest more, not only to cover their initial loss, but then to try and make profit on top. And does that sound very familiar? That is basically what you do when you go to the casino. That's basically gambling. That's not what we want to do. We want to have a systematic approach for assessing these companies, knowing when to move forward, when not to move forward, looking for the red flags, looking for the opportunities, watching the economy on a longer scale. Those are the things we want to be able to do. And you know, once you develop the knowledge, it's actually pretty chill. <laughs> like you're not constantly checking companies every single day. You know, it's just slowly. You hear something, you look into it, and then you move on. That's that's kind of how it happens, right? So Let's talk about the risk-reward when it comes to uh, investing in individual companies. So say I had two investments, okay, and they have identical returns, yet one had more risk than the other. So if you were to choose one of them, which one would you choose, right, as an investment? Well, it's a no-brainer. You choose the one with less risk. 
because it has a higher chance of paying off, seeing as how they have the same amount of reward. That's pretty basic. So in order to do that for individual companies, we uh, to even make it worth it, we need to be able to compare it to something. So if I say there's an individual company, it's giving you 12% returns a year. Is that good or bad? So assume the company is absolutely amazing and perfect. And it goes, well, it has 12% return. Is that worth it? Well, we need a way to determine that. So let's let's apply this. So with the benchmarking, the for me, the way I found to do this is to use index funds. And if you if you don't understand too much about index funds, please check out the uh, section on index funds on my Patreon. There has heaps of stuff in there. Okay. So a wide market index fund such as the Vanguard Total US Stock Market. Uh, which mirrors the S&P 500, which is the top 500 companies in the U.S., can grow typically somewhere between 7 and 11% a year with a 2% dividend. So let's just say 11% a year. And it's relatively low risk just by the very nature of it being an index fund. So if I'm selecting an individual company and I'm going, well, it's a really good company, what is the growth rate, which you can mathematically calculate, Say the growth rate is 12%. Well, that's only marginally better than an index fund. And if you were to compare the risk of any individual company versus an index fund, an index fund in almost every single case is always going to be less risk. So the only way for it to be worth it is if the reward is greater. So say the risk of an individual company, because it's an individual company, is higher, the index fund risk is lower, but the growth rate on the individual company is 25%, then it's worth it because the because of the risk. So you're compensating for the risk. So this is just one aspect of when selecting a stock. And people are astounded when I start going through this with them in very fine detail of just the amount of work you need to go through to go, well, this is a good company to invest in. Okay, so I'm going to go through a few factors that I consider, and these are just a tiny few of things that you can consider. Um, there is an amazing book on this, which is called, uh, I'm just going to try and find this on Amazon. Ah, here it is. Yeah, it's called Buffettology. So I'm a huge Warren Buffett fan and um, gone through a lot of his content. So the book is called Buffettology. It was written by Mary Buffett, which I believe is his daughter-in-law. Um, and it goes through how they assess companies in very, very good detail. They give you mathematical examples of actually how to assess and all that, right? Um, so that's something you should consider. So let's get back to those factors. So when we invest in a company, we want a company um, where we can leave the money with them for a very long time. We're talking possibly decades. And the reason is we want our money to compound and grow. So if you think of a lemonade stand okay, and you sell lemonades, maybe your profit's only $5. But with that $5, you're able to buy more lemons. So then the next day, you have more lemons to sell. So then you make a slightly bigger profit that day. So you go, well, we can buy more jugs. And then the next day, you make a little bit more. And then we go, well, we can upgrade our stand. And that's how it grows. And it tends to compound. But compound growth, and again, I have an entire set, I have articles on compound growth as well, if you want to understand how that works. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. Now, get, to give you a really round example of all this, 
Warren Buffett, who is now worth $120 billion or something like that, made 99% of that after his, I believe, 55th birthday. So it takes time for compounding to take effect. But when it does, it kind of becomes just insane. Okay, So having a long-term horizon as part of your selection is absolutely ideal. For example, Microsoft, you know that's going to be around a while. Facebook, Amazon, Google, you know, those kinds of companies. But then you have other ones as well. you got, um, let's say, um, aeronautic companies that are building 747s or whatever plane. So there are things around the world that we really, really depend on. NVIDIA, for example, microchips and all that. So there are companies that we depend on and they produce certain things that go into everything that we know in our lives. Those companies have been around for such a long time. They're most likely going to be around for a long time, right, moving forward. If they don't make it into the future, our money won't grow. So with that in mind, say there are a 1,000 companies to choose from, that immediately shrinks that pile. And what we're trying to do is actually shrink that pile to just a few that we know are these are the absolute best companies that we can possibly uh, invest in. But we need more things to, more factors to test them on. Basically, you're stress testing them. And if they don't meet the requirement, then you move on. Next company. It's as simple as that. right? So it's a very systematic and mathematical approach to deciding, is this a good uh, investment? And if it fails one of these, you're like, well, okay, move on. That's it. The next one is competitive advantage. So would you drink any other Coke than Coca-Cola? If Coca-Cola was available, now 99 times out of 100, 999,999 out of a million are always going to choose Coca-Cola, right? If you're an Apple person, do you always buy an iPhone? No matter how much it costs, they can probably, uh, Apple could double the price of the iPhone today and people will still buy it tomorrow. Why is this important? So a company with a strong brand and competitive advantage are able to increase the price of their products with inflation. And that is key because the raw materials get more expensive. So in order to keep up with inflation, not just in raw materials, in you know, in all sorts of things, paying their staff, paying for products, paying for the buildings that they're in, they're, the price of their products need to also increase. But with a lot of products without a strong brand, they there's only an upper limit for how much they can increase their price. So if a company doesn't have that, then they will struggle to grow. So one of the um, things that are opposite to this is companies with an extremely weak or non-existent brand. So for example, hotels. So you could have five hotels that are like the Hilton. I don't even know the hell, Four Seasons or something like that. Let's say you line them up and you're trying to pick a place to stay at a holiday. Do you ever go, I only stay at Hilton? No, you would weigh them up of like, this one has a better room, this uh, this and that, this and that, and this one is the cheapest. So basically, it's like a race to the bottom. Same thing goes for airlines and plane tickets. Same thing goes for petrol when you fill up your car. So anything where we're choosing it based on the lowest price are companies that cannot increase their price um, along with inflation. So if you have a petrol company that goes, uh, listen, our petrol is twice as expensive per liter, or per gallon, depending where you're from, because our petrol is a little bit better. Like nobody cares. 
Nobody cares. They're just going to go to the cheapest. Whereas if you're buying an iPhone, you're drinking Coca-Cola, those are things where you're like, I'm not going to budge on brand. Okay, That is a brand. That's, that's the power of a brand when it comes to investing. The next factor is consistency. So we want to be able to see consistent performance, and this can be done extremely easily on the internet, right? So we can do look at a number of things. So just top of my head, you can look at things like earnings. You can look at things in terms of revenue, their profit, how much debt they're bringing in, how many shares they're generating, um, what their cash flow is, right? So these are relatively simple metrics that you can look at. And then the outcome of this consistency is you'll see that the company grows, okay? If they're doing all these things, Right, so let's say they're having a lot of earnings. They're having a lot of, um, they're not taking on a lot of debt, but their profits aren't even budging. Well, then something is going on. The simplest explanation is, um, you make more money, you keep your costs under control, then you make more profit. You take that profit and you grow your business, and around and around it goes. Really good companies can do that. Really crap companies can't. Right? It's that simple. And then. Lastly, and this isn't so much a measure on the company itself, it's a measure on you. So we want to make sure that whenever we invest in a company, that we understand something about that company. So if you're an accountant and you don't know anything about fashion, don't invest in fashion brands. You know, Don't suddenly go, well, I think I should invest in Armani or Calvin Klein. You don't even know these brands. So the danger with doing this is that if something changes in that industry, you have no idea what's going on. I'll give you another example. There are companies like NVIDIA, there's like AMD, there's Intel. These are microchip companies as well as graphic processors and all that. And you could look at those metrics that we talked about earlier and they tick all those boxes. And then you invest and then NVIDIA go, well, we're changing some of the microchip structures in order to compete with such and such company because the AI and the graphics and the um, ratios and and they get technical. You have no idea what's going on. So if you already like, like I have a friend of mine who loves computers. He loves microchips. He knows the history of these companies. He's been building computers for like the last 20 years. He knows them inside out. These are the areas he should be investing in because he knows when news comes out and it causes an, an effect on the on the share price, whether positive or negative, he knows these companies so well and their products so well, he can tell that, eh, that's not going to last, right? And I'll give you an example where I spoke to him and I said, hey, I'm thinking of investing in this company. He goes, don't. And I go, well, why? Like all these factors are really, really good. He's like, yeah, but... Intel is working on this product and it's basically going to kill this product of theirs and this product is their main money maker. So another thing is another company, Sony or Xbox or whoever, they're going to make AMD, for example, the main product for all their devices. Like he knows this stuff. I don't know any of that stuff. So I should have no business investing in those areas. Right? That's how it goes. So Warren Buffett calls that your circle of competence. It's not so much how big it is. It's actually about how accurate that circle is and making sure you know, you stick to your lane. Stick to your lane. Stick with companies that you really understand because that's where your advantage is. That's where your edge is against other people. You'll be able to see things that they simply 
con. So consider all those factors as a starting point for when you're researching individual companies. And it's this is enough for you to get started with. Like Otherwise, I'd have to write a whole book on all the tiny little aspects of this stuff over time, right? Uh, and if you really like this stuff, trust me, you're going to be reading more and more books about it. And if, you know, after a year, you're like, man, this is way too much effort, you can always buy an index fund and you still win. So I would suggest only buy individual companies. If you really like investing, if you like researching companies, if you like all this stuff that I like doing, then yeah, go for it. Otherwise, if you just are not interested in it at all, buy an index fund and go about your life and you'll still be able to retire a very happy man or 